Wow, can you hear me? Am I on? Yeah, great. Well, welcome everyone. If you're new, visiting, well done for coming in the shade, rescue, rescuing yourself from sunburn. It's terrible out there. Um, so I, we love it. My, my family's actually away for the, this weekend. I'm going to meet up with them in a bit. They, they love the sea and sand. As a, as a family, we used to go swimming a lot. And we used to love playing games in the swimming pool and, and doing all of that. And um, one of the, the, the main games that I used to love was that dad's the monster, he's got to catch us. I have no idea why I had to be the evil monster. But there was nowhere to escape my greatness. I could grab hold of them. Wherever they went, they couldn't escape me because I was so good at my job of being a monster. But there was one place where the tables got turned. And that one place was actually, I don't know, it's like that round river that goes round and round. It's like a big tide taking people round. And the reason why they found that they could escape my clutches was because there was a rope on the exit. And as they went past, they could grab the rope and I was gone past them. And they were safe. They were safe. They were saved. And, and we're going to look through today at two guys who found safety. They reached out in their in their difficult moments, and they reached out and grabbed hold of, of Jesus. So last week, we hear Jesus was healing the, the demonized man, the man who was full of demons. And we see that actually God's authority, not just on that trip going across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calmed the sea and the storm. He, he was God of creation and could speak into it. He was also a God that we heard last week. He's a God who has authority over demons, over the darkness. And, uh, and today we're going to see what happened when he went back over the, the, the Sea of Galilee. He, he, there was a crowd heard, he's coming back. Can you imagine the crowd that was going to be waiting for him and who was going to be in that crowd? This, this man who amazing things were coming through and being seen. So let's pick it up in Mark chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, grab hold of them. And uh, we're going to read Mark chapter 5 verse 22 and we'll see where we go. Okay. So then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, that is seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned round in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And, she said, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and, and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house 
some who said, your, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what was said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And there were they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Wow, so Jesus is coming back. He's coming back having done some amazing things. And here we see even more. The expectations around Jesus must be so high. He's coming back over the Sea of Galilee and everyone's gathering around to find out what's the next thing he's going to do. And yet we see here a leader, a leader of the synagogue, you know, one of the most important, prestigious people coming to find Jesus. But do we see a leader? No, we see a desperate father. And, and a daughter, she had, he, he had a daughter as he said, she's 12 years old, which to the Jews meant that actually she'd become an adult. Boys became an adult at 13 and girls at 12. So she had some level of standing in community. The community saw her as a respected person in her own right in community. And yet it's, it's, but yet she'd come to a point where illness was going to snatch her away at the beginning of her life. It's like someone's gone through school and college in our day. And coming out through college at the age of 18, getting a terminal illness. We see a father, for although she's now an adult, Jairus calls her my little daughter. She's never going to be allowed to grow up. I mean, dads, you know that. Your youngest never are allowed to grow up. You know, that's, a, that's an unsaid rule. <laughs> and he is, despite, in despite this short time, his faith and hope is Jesus is enough for him to set her off. So Jesus saw his faith and set off with him home. See, dads, guys, you've, we've got to listen to Jairus here. He, 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 he takes the place of the fight. He takes it not at home. He's not fighting home and things that are going on. He's taking the fight to Jesus. And he's taking Jesus and finding him and bringing him back home. Guys, we need to find Jesus for our families and bring him home. So what was, the, what was stopping him? I mean, there's many things that this, this leader, this father actually was found or had as many barriers to him blocking, one being perhaps leaving the home. You see, in the Jewish tradition, there is leaving the bedside of a dying or staying at the bedside of the dying is of immense value. So Jairus chose not to follow tradition, but actually to leave the bedside where his daughter was dying and go and seek and find Jesus. And Jairus left behind those remaining fleeting moments of being with his daughter to comfort her. Why? To go and find the hope in Jesus. And Jairus left the home and supporting his wife. Uh, how could he leave her at this worst possible moment? But why? To go and find hope. And then right when things were on track 
Jesus is going home. He's found him. He's going home. It's going to be okay. There is a disaster, a delay. Don't you understand? These, I'm not kidding, Jesus. This is urgent. Come home with me. But the very thing that Jairus's faith and hope screamed out, it screamed out, no, no, no delays. Jesus, come. But the delay was for Jairus as much as it was for the woman. How many times do we think that the healing of others is actually something that God is less interested in us than actually he really is? Because let me tell you, he is interested in you. The path of God to blessing, we might think it's going to be to that direction, but it may take many detours, and we can learn much about God in those detours. This was a massive detour for Jairus in his faith in finding that final destination. You know the ending of the story, but think of his shoes, that where he was standing, hope was fading because there was delay. But if we think there was barriers to Jairus in, in sort of leaving the home and going to find and seek Jesus, there was actually sort of perhaps more for the lady, the woman who actually went to find Jesus. So we see that um, she was bleeding and in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it says that anyone who's bleeding in the way she was bleeding actually was unclean. And she was unclean for a day because of her condition. And she wasn't allowed to touch others because she would make them unclean for the time that she was bleeding. But she had been bleeding for 12 years and she wouldn't have been allowed to touch others because she has been bleeding. 12 years of no human touch. She sat, if she sat in a chair, it was unclean, and no one could follow her and sit. She had lived with 12 years of people not wanting to be around her. She wasn't even allowed to go to the worship services and to the temple. She was, she was cut off from fellowship with others and with God. And despite all this, she went against the tide of opinion and the tide of physical weakness in her, in her own safe and the poverty which she now had because she spent all her money. Why? to catch a healing. What if, what if I can just touch even just part of his clothes? I'm sure he'll, I'll be healed. So then we get this point where Jarvis is saying in his heart, oh no, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. And Jesus stopped. He stopped. He stopped on his pressing, urgent business with Jarvis. And he turned around and said, who touched my garments? Well, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? I mean, if there's anyone in the whole world who actually knew the answer to that, he was the guy who asked the question. Okay, who touched my garments? And, and the disciples, full of light, oh, here he goes again. Jesus, the one who's actually, don't you understand? There's so many people. How can you possibly know who's touched my garments? Everybody's touching your garments. But Jesus wanted to find the right person. He speaks out. And she knew that he knew because he said, who touched my garments? That's the one thing she was saying over and over in her head. I will touch his garments. Oh, if only I can touch his garments. He said, who touched my garments? So why did he stop? Well, because healings can be actually instant and they're a blessing from God, but restoring a person takes time. Jesus didn't want her to leave thinking that she'd stolen stolen a healing or somehow magically his clothes were magic and they could heal. No, he, he, he spent time, he heard her story all the time, Jairus thinking, please no, please no. Jesus took time and spoke to her and heard her story. See, she who had no voice 
was given a public voice by Jesus. And she who had no peace was given peace by Jesus. And she who had been outcast, really, was elevated to daughter. For Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. It's great, the wonder and the love of Jesus. He's not concerned about what concerns us. Our urgencies aren't his urgencies. He understands how to bless us. And there's a principle there that God's spirit and power can heal. And, and for us to stop and take time to reaffirm and to remove shame. That's what Jesus did. So we have seen and we will continue to see healings. Last week, today, next week, God will heal. That's who he is. Jesus is the healer. But will we stop and actually reaffirm the people that he touches and actually remove shame from them and give them a life and give them peace and call them sons and daughters of God? That's our role. God can do what he can do. But we should be doing what we can do in bringing people to know him. So then the the text suddenly gets back to Jairus. And while it says while he was still speaking, then guys from Jairus' home, the worst possible news, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Ah, have you ever been to like the shop returning something and, and he's saying, sorry, your warranty has failed. It's, it's run out. And, uh, or the, the fact that you, you've got a gift voucher that you've been holding on to this gift voucher and you take it in and they say, sorry, it actually expired last week. Or even, sorry, you've missed the plane. These are all things I've heard. <laughs> I've heard these things. So you can be slightly, uh, perhaps compassionate with Jairus that he might have find it quite hard when he heard they don't trouble the teacher anymore because hope's gone. To the barriers that were against Jairus, they were large, but they were about to get bigger. <laughs> Jairus's hope was dashed, and those from, his, when his, those from his home said, don't bother Jesus anymore, she's dead. So what they were saying was, while she was alive, there was actually hope. Yeah. Now that she's dead, there, there is no hope. In other words, while there's life, there is hope. So Jairus had that biggest barrier, no hope. (laughs) But hope is not born of itself. So the wonder is that hope comes and it follows. It follows faith. Hope follows faith. If you have no hope, you need to find out what your faith is in. A true and living hope comes from faith. Show me faith and I can show you hope, no matter what the circumstances do. Every time you get knocked down and you lose hope, faith will bring it back. You remember those weebles can wobble, but they won't fall down? Every time bad things happen, and actually you're holding on to the promises of God. Actually, when it hits down, hope goes. But yet it comes back up again, because faith brings it back up again. Hope can go, faith can bring it back up again. Hope is a a product, it is a fruit, really, of living in in faith. Don't bother Jesus any longer. The unsaid rule. While there is life, there is hope. It's true, but their sight was on his daughter. Their sight was on her life. Their sight was on the one who has been in so sickness they'd forgotten to find out whose life it is that's important. And Jesus did it so wonderfully for Jairus. He just focused his eyes back onto himself as he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus was re, uh, refreshing Jairus' 
faith in him so that he could find hope. See, where there is life, there is hope. The question is, whose life are we talking about? There is Jesus, and we're celebrating at this time of the year, aren't we, that actually he rose again three days from being in the grave, and he rose again to new life. He is alive. He is here today alive. And our hope can be certain because it's tied up with the life of Jesus, and he's alive. There are many barriers. So there's many barriers. Barriers can be good. Barriers can be good. And I need a volunteer right now. So there are many good things in life. Some would say things like this are good. We've got like chocolate. It's, do you know how hard it is to find chocolate which isn't an Easter egg at the moment in the shops? This is a miracle in itself. Well, it's not really. But actually I found it. So this is, this is a good thing in life. There's so many good things in life that can be actually just taking our time out and barriers to, to what God wants to do. So I need a volunteer. Ideally somebody who's really good at catching and strong. Okay? So I think... Dom, you're smiling, mate. You're going <laughs> to... Come on, you, you smile too soon. Come on, you're going to... Right. Now, Dom, I hope you're feeling strong today. I'm not too strong. No? <laughs> right. Hold on to that. That is a good thing in life. That is chocolate, okay? Anybody not like chocolate? It's good, isn't it? Fantastic. But in our life, or in our house, we have many things. Now, I was going to bring the sofa, but I didn't think Dom could actually fit on it. So we love our sofa at home, okay? It is one of the things in our house which just, we, we just, even when we're ill, we take time out on the sofa. And I've brought a, a token cushion from said coaster, toaster, uh, from said toaster, <laughs> sofa. And um, so let's put that on top of there. That is, you know, two things which are just great. I mean, Spending time in front of the TV on that is just awesome. If you ever get a chance, they eat you, that sofa does. So then in our house, we have things like, well, we play music. Here's um, you know, an amplifier. It's just fantastic time spent playing guitars or things like that. Hold on to that, mate. You'll be fine. Um, even, even when, even when there's, it's too loud and you want to actually hear this, this is like a, a speaker, a headsets which actually remove the sound from other people, but it makes a barrier between your ears and others. There we go. You can hold on to that. Is it getting heavy yet or not? No? So here we, here we go. Do you remember these? Photo albums. Whoa. So this is like real photos where actually you can live the past and you can, with smoky, dreamy eyes, think about those holidays and the past and, and, and forget about the future, which is always... There we go. Hold on to that. Okay. You're feeling good. Right. Okay, and then actually at the end of it, we, we probably have holidays, don't we? <laughs> now, this can go on top. There we go. Now, you're feeling good. Yeah, well. You're feeling good. Right. But this is, this is a problem because I have one more thing from our house, which is actually really, really precious. And this is a family heirloom. And this is... It's wonderful. It it's, doesn't look like much, but it's actually a wonderful piece of pottery, which actually is priceless. And we hold on to this at home. It is, it, is awesome. it, is, it is so much better than all those things that are there. Now, now Dom, I, I think what we need to do is, um, I want you to have this, okay? But it can't really live with all those that's on your hands. So I'm going to actually throw this to you. <laughs> Now, this, I remind you, is priceless. <laughs> it's been in the family for years. I, 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 it's up to you, okay, whether you catch this or, or actually, you know, 
hold on to that. Okay, all right. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Can we count down to three, please? Because one, two, three. Oh! Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Wow, thank you. That is so good. They can go back in the box. I'm so pleased that is safe. You see, you, well, you can take the chocolate. Take the chocolate. Absolutely. It's yours. Yeah, give me a round of applause. Don't worry, don't worry about the mess. That's Steve's problem. <laughs> the, mess, the mess comes his way, which is fine. Cause, um, so, yes. So, uh, so, he could never have caught that that priceless thing, if he hadn't actually let go of all those good things and barriers which are in the way. See, you won't show your faith holding on to things in Jesus. You show your faith by letting go and holding on to him. See, what this shows me with Jesus' response on this day is that for those, despite their need, who hold on to him and reach out to him, he will stop and reach out to them. He will. It shows me it doesn't matter if you're a leader of many or even somebody who's in the shadows, in the outskirts. Actually, he will find you. If you let go of everything, you can catch him. Don't miss his call. Oh, in, in Hebrews 3, it says that, oh, that you would listen as he speaks. Are you hearing his speaking today? He, he knew how to let this lady know that he was actually knowing her heart. Because he spoke the same language of her. He knew what she'd been saying. Listen to Jesus. He will speak to you. You see, then at the house, Jesus took charge. At Jairus' house, they got there. And the crowd who mocked him um, when, when he said that she was just sleeping. Actually, this crowd was put outside. Jesus took charge, saying she's only sleeping. Jesus took the disciples and the mother and the father into the house. Now the disciples, they didn't say, Jesus, you said earlier who touched me. Actually, she is dead. You know that. They kept quiet <laughs> this time around. They weren't actually saying a word. They were following Jesus's lead. It shows that <laughs> they're following his lead. And we should probably do likewise when we enter into people's homes and their pain. We actually need to listen to Jesus and let him take full reign of the situation. And he said, what did he say? Little girl, I say to you, arise. They were all the words that were necessary. <laughs> Jesus might not, it wasn't a prayer night. It wasn't a fasting for a week. Amidst grief, words brought life. See, Jesus didn't actually do anything more than Jairus had asked him at the very beginning. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. And it's a small point. But as Jesus does, and he goes where he's welcome, so we should go where we're welcome. When we pray for each other, just make sure it's okay to lay your hands on the person beside you. Don't actually overburden each other with going where you're not welcome. Find out if it's okay to pray for each other and pray in faith. Jesus waits for the invitation, and we should not suppose to be any different. <laughs> Give her something to eat, he says. The response to a miracle is what? Rather practical, isn't it? The normal life is a God-given wonder and blessing. It is a blessing. God doesn't do what we can do for ourselves. He, Jesus 
brought the daughter to life, but he didn't bring her to life with a full stomach. That could quite easily be done by her mother. And what a wonderful meal to make as a mother who's just received a daughter back. See, everyday life is a blessing when you're with God. He can do what he can do and only do. But we have the, the joy of doing what we can do around the king and seeing him at work. You see, Jesus came on the scene after hundreds of years. In the Old Testament, we see that we've referred to the Leviticus and Numbers today about how it affected people's lives and people were living a life under the, the Moses law, the law of the Old Testament. Jesus came into a period where the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament was hundreds of years of silence, absolute silence. And all of a sudden, there came a man that was being seen. Was he the Messiah? They'd been looking for the one who was going to come and save their people. God was coming. And was this the man we're trusting, we're looking for the Messiah? You see, in this passage that she actually, the woman was healed to a life which was born of her condition. She wasn't allowed to touch anyone or they'd be unclean. If she sat on a chair or anywhere, no one could be there and sit on it without being unclean. She wasn't even allowed in worship services because she was unclean. Everything she touched would become unclean. And yet when she touched Jesus, he didn't become unclean. He cleaned her. The tide was turning. This tide which takes people through life was turning. Jesus was showing a new way. And this, this, this silence of the Old Testament and New Testament, Jesus was bringing in a new law, a law of grace. The numbers, in numbers of the Old Testament, whoever touches a dead body would be unclean for a week so when Jesus reached out and touched the dead daughter, Jesus showed he didn't become unclean because he raised her to life. And those who expend all their energy dropping, all that hinders, who catch hold of the life of Jesus can withstand the tide. The tide is changing. And Jesus shows that after centuries of silence, the tide is turning to a new time, a new time where God's people, instead of touching a bleeding and dead world will become like it. Instead, God's people full of Jesus in touching a bleeding and dying world can bring healing and life to it. A turning tide, not a tide flowing with rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, not a tide flowing from man to God, trying to get to God through good works, trying to escape all of that. No, but instead a new tide flowing with undeserved grace where the do's and don'ts don't trump the grace of God. The tide that flows not to God, but a tide that flows from God's throne to us. A tide that overcomes barriers between God and man. A tide powered not by the force of the moon, but by the grace of God. And where do we see the grace of God, the power of this unstoppable tide? Where do we see the grace, that which is unmerited favour? Where do we see that greatest point? But with Jesus, his finished work on the cross, there will not be any other gracious act higher than that because all eternity will point to that one day when Jesus gave his life graciously for us. And at the moment, we see the greatest loving, gracious act of all time. There will be none like it. All eternity will point to it. The one who took our sin on the cross, the one who does not force himself upon us, the one who when we call will stop, the one who we cannot tarnish,
the one who gave all for us and who we find when we drop all. The one who says, daughter and son, be at peace, for I have overcome. He's worth living for, a life and invite into our lives so that we can be the ones to turn the tide. If you don't know him, you can catch him today. Just drop all. And if you know him, go into a broken world and touch it because you can make it whole. Amen. He is our risen, loving, wonderful Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's go back into worship and worship him. Amen.